Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we are learning Maseches Bava Kama. We're, uh, we're two-thirds of the way down on Nun Aleph, Amud Aleph, toward the end of the line, right halfway through the thick lines where it says, My Rebbe, Umay Rabbanon. And uh, if I have my way, we'll be going all the way to the last line on Nun Beis Amud Beis, which is a lot of ground. Um, it happens to be that most of the Gemaras that we're learning are are really very easy. Um, and if we just kind of stay focused, we'll be able to get through successfully uh, with clarity on, on what's going on. A lot of these Gemaras are, are just easy to understand and easy to tackle. So let's get started. We had discussed on Shabbos before we closed a unique sugya of how we determine shutvin when the boar is birshus harabim. And we pointed out that maybe perhaps we could understand it a little bit like Rebbe and a little bit like the Rabbanan. So what were those shitas that we were looking at? So the Gemara says two-thirds of the way down a little bit more on Nunalaf Amaralaf, my Rebbe, my Rabbanan, the Tanya, we have a brysa. Echad achofer bor tisha, uba achar v'yishlimu la'asara, ha'acharon chayev. The Tanakama says, if I dig nine and you dig the tenth, you who dug the tenth tefach of the hole, why ten? Because as we've learned about already, a depth of ten is what can lead to the death of an animal halachically. So therefore, your chayev. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe, however, says, Rebbe Omer, achar achron lemisa, the last person is chayev as it relates to an animal that dies, but va'achar shnehem lenizaket, but an animal that, get, that gets hurt applies to both of them. And this really does go back to our previous understanding that we could see how there's shutfus in the digging of a pit in Rishus Harabim. Says the Gemara, my time of What's the reason for the rabbis that they assume that the person who dug the tenth of the tfachim into the bore, why is it they're, that they're held accountable? Says the Gemara, We know this drush already. We saw it on Shabbos. And the Gemara speaks about this uh, seemingly duplicative language. If by opening up a, uh, a pit, just uncovering it, you're going to be chayab, why does the Torah later then go on to say about Kriya, Lokolshkin, all the more so. Ella, what therefore was the purpose of bringing about these two languages? It can't be for that, because that's obvious. It can't be that Psicha and Kriya are the same Pasha. So therefore, says, says the Gemara, explaining the sheet of the Rabbanon as to why the latter person is held accountable. Ella, lahavi kura achar kura, shesilek maiserishon, that when, the, when there's a digging after a digging, the second person who does the digging undoes, in effect, or shasilik, he removes whatever was done by the first person, at least halachically speaking. Of course, the first nine tvachim of dirt are missing. Pashat, we understand. But what's but, but halachically speaking, uh, that second person is held accountable because he was Masalik Maiserisha. I, the Rebbe, okay. Well, if the Rabbanon have a Pasuk to prove their Shita, that we're Misalek, Maiserishon, and the second person is held accountable, so then how does Rebbe, who holds that they could, in theory, both be accountable for Nizakin, how does he understand the Pasuk? Amar Lach, 12 lines from the bottom, 10 lines from the bottom, Hanu Mitzrach Tzrichi. Yeah. He doesn't make this drasha because like we saw in Shabbos, he has a, a limud that he uses for both of these words. So then says the Gemara, well, the rabbis on the previous blot agreed. They didn't seem to have a dissenting opinion in regards to how to learn the words we have to therefore pivot and try another approach as to how we know the Rabbanon say that the latter person is chayv. Again, let's repeat our case. The case was where Ruvain dug nine tefachim and Shimon dug the tenth tefach and then an animal falls in and dies. So the Gemara says, 
that the latter person, according to the Rabbanon, is chayev. So what's the reason for the rabbi's shita? Ten lines from the bottom. Ela Omar, ela taima de Rabbanon. The reason for the shita of the Rabbanon is Amar Kra, ki yichre ishbor. Same pasuk, but let's darshan it differently. Ki yichre ishbor, the Gemara says, ki yichre ishbor echad velo shnaim. It's ish in the singular. Oh, so therefore, it has to be only one person who brings about the conclusion that that boar is now deadly. And who was the person who brought it to the level of deadly? It was the second person. And there, you can't have two people who are both held accountable. It's not possible. I have a Rebbe. Okay, very good. If the Rabbanon learned the Pasuk to say that the word Ish is written in the singular to teach us that only one person and only the latter person can be considered to be the one who is bringing this pit to the point of being fatal, so then how does Rebbe learn those psukim of Ish? The Rebbe, Ahumi Boile, this Pasuk is used for something else. Ki yikre Ish bor, below shor bor. Oh, he learns that only if a pit is dug by a, um, by an Ish, but not by a shor. We know sometimes that dogs, when they uh, take their paws after they go to the bathroom, they they dig up some dirt. So what if a shor is just playing around in dirt and he digs a bore and it's, I mean, this is a very talented shor and he digs a 10 tefach bor. Very impressive. Even at the bottom, nice walls. So he, didn't fall in. Huh? he didn't fall in. He probably didn't fall in. Yeah, this whole case is a little weird, but but the Gemara does have a drasha that if I own an animal, if I dig the pit, then the pit is a halachic pit where it can cause for fatalities and I'd be held responsible. But if a shore does dig that pit, then there is no responsibility for me as the owner of the pit. And if that's true, then Rebbe gets out of his issue of trying to understand the psukim of the Rabbanon. The drasha of Ish in the singular is used by the Rabbanon, but the pasuk is used to teach us about Shor, that a Shor who digs a pit is not going to be considered the responsibility of the Baal. I have a Rabbanon. Where do the rabbis learn that din from? That if a Shor were to dig a pit, that the owner would not be held accountable? So to this, the Gemara says, Trey ish bor ksivi. It says the word ish bor twice in the Psukim. So therefore, the Rabbanon have two limudim. One is that ish is singular, and therefore only one person can be held accountable for the digging of a pit, and it must therefore be the person who brings it to the depth of ten tvachim. And the second ish bor teaches us, ish bor velo shor bor, that an animal that digs is not going to be the, the, a financial burden on its owner if in fact a shore were to dig a hole. The Rebbe, okay, right? The Rabbanon keep proving themselves pretty well. Now Rebbe is stuck because according to the way that the Rabbanon learned the Psukim and the fact that they were able to learn out both drushos means that Rebbe should also be able to learn out both drushos. The Rebbe, seven lines from the bottom, no. I did the chasav, hai, chasav, hai. Because it said ishbor in one case, it says ishbor in another case, but lavdafka, the second drush of ishbor is not meant to be for a limud. So says the Gemara, and that's how Rebbe wriggles out. What that does is it leaves us with the two shitas that we were starting with. It leaves us with the shita of Rebbe, who says that there is culpability for multiple people. And it leaves us with the shita of the Rabbanon, that the only person who's going to be held accountable is the person who actually brings the boar to a depth of 10. Says the Gemara, who says... The Gemara asks that when we have two people who partner and Ruvain digs the first nine of the pit and Shimon digs the last one of the pit to bring it to ten, may Hechat see that it should be the second person. How did we totally remove the first guy from all of the work that he did? I'm going to give you a horrible svara, but he did rove. 
He did a lot of it. He did 90% of it. Why do we totally ignore what person number one did? Says the Gemara, Perhaps we should say that we're being Mechaev Ruvain who dug the first nine. And Shimon, all he did, I removed a couple of shovels of dirt, but that was it. The Gemara says, Los You can't have this Havamina. Why? Because the Omar Krovamesihelo. The Pasuk says Vamesihelo to Kaavid Misa, the one who brings about Misa. That would therefore be the second person. Because if we look at the sequence of events, when Ruvain dug the first nine, so then and then the animal dies, that's not Misa. Even if the animal dies, you're putter. That's not a normal depth where Misa occurs. The only time that Misa can ever be incurred is after Shimon, the second digger, is the one who got us to ten Tvachim. And therefore, we have to assume that way. Says the Gemara, wait one second, we have a problem. this What does Rava teach us? If you have an animal... Uh, that was initially meant to be for the Beis HaMikdash, and then it became Psudah Mukdashin. It became invalidated and could no longer be used for the Beis HaMikdash. Shenafa Labor, the halacha is pater. Shenemar v'ameisiyelo. So, b'mishamesiyelo. So, says the Gemara, we learn the din, v'ameisiyelo, excludes a case of Psudah Mukdashin from Chiv. If it falls into my pit that I dug. So, therefore, the Pasuk of v'ameisiyelo cannot be used to teach that it's always Shimon, who's Chayev. So the Gemara is back to its question, and says the Gemara, um, a, a very, seemingly a very basic Svara, but one that actually overrides a drasha Amre, says the Gemara, It's obvious, says the Gemara, who should be responsible. The guy who brought the pit to ten should be the one who's responsible. Because if he didn't do anything, there would be no animals that die. And even if they died in a fluke scenario, we don't halachically hold anyone financially responsible for an animal that dies at nine tvachim. Nazikin, yes. Misa, no. So the Gemara says, it's a balabatish svara. I don't need the pasuk of Amesiyelo to teach me that... Uh, to teach me that the second guy digging is going to be held accountable. If there was no second guy, we wouldn't be in this case scenario to start with. I'm still a little, I mean, this is the answer of the Gemara. It is the answer of the Gemara. I'm a little bothered. First guy has zero responsibility. I mean, I understand halachically why he only did nine. He only should be, huh? When it comes to he did nothing. You're saying he did nothing. He did halachically nothing. Yeah, but the problem is that the... the you what? No foul. Uh-huh. Yeah, but for Nazikin, it still counts. Nazikin, it still counts, 100%. Not, Not only that, but when you look at the Misa of Shimon, all Shimon did was dig one tefach, and now he's held accountable for all Misas of Shor that they. I know the answer in my head. There's like a part of me that doesn't like it. Part of me. I don't know what you It seems like Misa and Nazakin are completely separate. It's not like Nazakin is like. Half Misa. No, since he's no, 100% separated. Stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. I think I have that fairness bug uh, in my head of like things need to be more equitable in regards to consequences and I'm, and I'm just wrong. It's not the first time. Certainly not the first time. Certainly not the last. Let's continue. Three lines from the bottom. Yeah, you should not. This conversation is going to happen for a long time. I would say Are it's going to happen. It's going to happen until we're we're wise and white haired. But I shaved today, and I watched all of the white hair fall off my face. So I'm old enough.
Says the Gemara, Tana Rabbanan. Here we're going to see a stira in Brysas. Echad hachofer borasara. Let's say there was a man who dug a pit of 10, already to the level of culpability for Misa. Another guy deepened the hole to 20. Should not be much of an afkamino. You're already there. Check this out. Cool and Why? Okay. It's a great question. What? Or they divide the profit. They divide the death cost by three. That's... I don't know. I didn't look into this piece. But here's the stira. Uraminhu. Here's a brysa which seems to not say that everyone's chayev. Echad hachofer borasara. You got one guy who digs a pit of ten. Uba acher v'sayed v'chayed. And the second guy came in and a sid, we know is a limestone. He, like, he took some lime paste of some kind and he uh, he put some on the, the lining. So let's just imagine he dug a cylinder of a hole. Let's say it was a circle of... Four, three feet wide, and it was 10 tvachim deep. And this second, after it was dug, the second guy goes in, he lines it with Sid, he, and, he, and the second thing is Kayed, he, he draws a little bit. I wonder if this is where the word CAD came from, from architectural drawings. Who knows? That's totally not true, no? It's an acronym. I know, it's an acronym. Come on, it was like a little Yiddish humor. That was my nittel nach for the night. I'm done now. That was my bittel Torah. Check in a box. So the Gemara says that, look at this, Ha'acharon Chayev. This is very weird. Because first of all, the previous Brysa said that it got to 10, and then the next person, both of them were chai. Here, the first guy brought it to 10, and he's putter. The second guy who lined it with Sid, he's chayiv. This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And it brings us to the top of Nun Aleph Amad Beis. The Gemara says, Perhaps we should say that this mirrors the machlokas that we saw earlier of the, the Rabbonon and Rebbe, that the Rabbonon always said it's on the second person which is why the latter Brysa that we just saw with the, the person who put in the seed, that he'd be, only he would be Chayv and the first guy would be Pater. Mashain came the first Brysa where everyone's held accountable. So that is already another Shita that we saw in the Tanah. It says the Gemara, Amar Ozvid, no, I disagree. Really, everyone, uh, both of these Brysas are the Rabbonon. Ad kan lo Rabbonon, when is it that the Rabbanon will say that the last one is Chayev? That's when the first person, the lo avad kama shir misa, where the first person didn't bring it to a shir misa. Abalecha the avad kama shir misa, when the first person did bring it to a shir of misa, afil Rabbanon modu de kulan chayev, and even the rabbis would agree that uh, that everyone's Chayev. Says the Gemara, that's beautiful, but that's not our case. Says the Gemara, the hasayed v'kayed, you just tried to give me this fudged answer that the Rabbanon would all agree in a case. That wasn't what happened. The case we were dealing with where, where the Acharon was Chayev was where the person put lime on the, uh, on the wall after someone already dug a ditch of 10. So that's not our case. <coughs> Amri, the Gemara says, eight lines down, seven lines down, Nunala from base. Amri, Hasam Shaloh Hoya Bo Hevel at that point, there really wasn't a Hevel Amisa, which we spoke about on Shabbos, which was the unique Shita of Rav, that there's some type of uh, air that causes for, for death, that leads to death. And when it was dug that way, it, there wasn't enough. And there really was an addition which brought about Misa. And that's why the case is different. The guy who, this is a bit of a Svar on the Rishonim, very, I'm not saying I have good shot in this. I'm just telling you what I read. But what's difficult with this Gemara is that 
it seems to say that the guy who lined the pit with Sid, he enhanced the Hevel. He made it more of a powerful Hevel. Who cares? 10 is 10 is 10. That's what the that's what the Gemara says, and maybe why what that's why there's an ikad amre because it's a very difficult answer, and says the Gemara ikad amre that Amar Zvid Haveha Rebbe really maybe both of the brayas at the bottom of the page are the shita of Rebbe and hachdekatani kulan chayavin shahir we could understand according to to Rebbe who already held in the brayas at the bottom of the page that the person who dug us to 10 and then to 20 and then to 30 all of them were chayav and then here the katani kulan chayavin shapir that makes perfect sense but hadikatani achron chayav in the case of the painting of the sid who says that he's chayav kigon shelohayabo hevelolamisavelolanizaken similar answer as before that uh, when the guy dug 10 there wasn't any hevel for killing animals and there was no hevel for damaging animals Again, very dachuk. It's very difficult to understand these gemaras. The whole It's true, but one of the things we also discussed uh, is that there is a point of dissipation potentially. Uh, we spoke about if you have a, the Grand Canyon, there's not a makom hevel, right? But we said that more confined spaces are. So I'm giving a Balabatish answer to your question. It could be that where this pit is just big enough that it needs to be minimized a little in order to have a... I guess it's a Balabatish svar. We'll see things like that on the bottom of the page, actually. But but this requires more research. I'm, as I said openly, this is not a simple piece of Gemara. It is to understand, again, in, the, in Shaklavataria. Uh, but the actual shot in this is not so simple. Okay, so that answers up, or whatever, potentially answers up a little bit of that. We're about a fifth of the way down, 12 lines down. No, now, if I'm at base, let's continue. Omar Rava, This case requires talking out. There's a pit that's nine. And I take rocks and I build the 10th um, tefach above ground. Okay, so let's just uh, assume that my hand is earth level and... This is what's happening. Nine of the tefachim are below the ground. Above my fingers, I build a ring that's a tefach to therefore make the depth of the whole of tefach, even though dug into earth is only nine, like a well, dug into earth is only nine, but above ground is the extra tefach that gives us the depth that can lead to the death of an animal. So the Gemara says this is the machlokas of uh, Rabbi and the Rabbonin. Namely, if there are two people involved, one person dug nine, the next person dug ten, Rebbe would say everyone's chayv. The Rabbonin would say only the achron is chayv. Only the guy who added the lip at the end is chayv. So asks the Gemara Pshita. No. Okay, what's the difference? If you dig a tenth at the bottom or add one at the top to make it ten, who cares? Ten is ten. What's the difference? Says the Gemara, that's not true. Maudetema lemata hu dehevla didei I might have thought that when we are digging, the Hevel is because you dug 10. It's not just that there's a space of 10. It's that you dug into the ground 10. That that distinction is irrelevant. And in fact, the Machlokas Rebbe and the Rabbanon still does apply here. Boy Rava. Rava asks a question again, similar questions. Tom, uh, similar questions. Tom tefach, if, a, if there is a tefach that is filled in, or vesilek avonov, meaning if something that was 10 was either filled in to nine, 
or if it was nine plus the lip and the lip was removed, and then somebody else made it to 10, this is not mashma in the words of the Gemara, says the Gemara, we don't know what the halachic implications are, namely, do we consider this sequential actions of person one and person two? Or do we view these now as completely different diggings, as it were? And that we don't know the answer to. More cases, and this is also a chiddush. We're about a third of the way down, a little bit more on non aleph amud beis. Amar bar barchana, amar shmuel bar marta, or shmona mehen shnei There's a pit that's only eight deep, which is not deep enough for murder. Says the Gemara, that's not true. In fact, it is because two of those tefach is water. So shnei tefachim maya chayiv. My time, why are you chayiv? So the Gemara, without any deep explanation at all, just makes a statement. Kol tefach the Maya trade the dami. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what the words mean. I kind of. I kind of know what the words mean. <laughs> that says that uh, that there is going to be this uh, extra power with water. Rashi over here in his mystical ways and managing to add in so much Maya two thirds of the way down Mosif Hevla. The power of being Mosef Hevel with water is greater than the power of being Mosef Hevel with dry land, which makes me think of vapor. It makes me think of steam. It makes me think of uh, moisture in the air. Again, I'm thinking a little sciencey. They didn't have the, I mean, they probably knew what humidity was. Of course, they had bathhouses. They know how to, but this Gemara does not bother to explain anything else. This would be a great time to sit with Rishonim for a while and say, what in the world is the Gemara talking about? Thank He's you, Rav. What is Hevel? What is Hevel? What, what did Rav mean yesterday in Dafyomi when he said that uh, they were talking about Hevel and not Chavata? I understood Rav Svara, that the Chavata, the Kark, is not yours. I understand. But the Hevel, what is it? Is it space? Is it a smell? Is, is, it, a, is it a toxin? Chemicals? So here the Gemara has a little bit of a hint based on Rashi that it is Mosif Hevla. Fine. So that's what the Rashi says, that if it's eight and of the eight, two of them are water, that is considered murder territory. And you would be held accountable if a shore fell in and died. Ibayalahu, let's ask a couple of different iterations of numbers. We just spoke about eight of which two were water. What if it was Ibayalahu bor tisha umehen tefach? It was nine deep. And one was water. It's not the same amount of water in the initial case where it was two, or that was considered Maya Mosif, as Rashi put it. Therefore, less Behavla. Because the, the Abasha is deeper, because there's more depth of earth, is Behavla. Don't know the answer to that. What about Borshivo Mehen Shlosha Tvachim Mayim? Same question. Uh, seven deep, of which four are water. We would assume, based on the Gemara's question and based on Rashi, that when there's three Tvachim of water, that there's even more Hevel. And therefore, whatever the impact of the water is, how do the ratios of airspace to water volume, how do they impact each other? Miamrinan, Kevan Denfisha, Maya Tvei Hevla, that there's more Hevel because there's more water. Odilma Kevan Delo Amka. Because the depth is not the same as eight, less behevla teku, we have absolutely no idea. Not only do we have no idea what the answer is, we don't even know what the question is. So we're in completely uh, common straits here because we don't even know what the real vapor is. Like we don't even understand hevel and its basic idea. It's hard to say that it's just a space. 
because this throws everything for a wrench. I could have argued up until now that it was just space. But here I can't say that it's just space anymore because I would not have assumed that water with a depth of less than 10 would have been a scenario of Misa for a shore. And I'm not talking about drowning. It doesn't mean an animal's not drowning. That's Pasha from the Gemara, or at least it's, I assume it's Pasha. Okay, next question. Rav Shezvi asks Rabbah, let's say there was a pit and I widened the opening. When I initially dug it, it was a cylinder three feet wide, ten tefachim deep. Then I take a shovel and I make that three tefach opening into four tefachim wide. I have three feet wide, I made it four feet wide. Easier to fall in. That's basically what's going on. So says the Gemara, Mahu, on the one hand, when you widen the top, you minimize the hevel, you minimize these damaging uh, vapors, whatever they are, because there's more room for them to escape. It's true that you minimize hevel, and therefore, when you say minimize hevel, you mean maybe you should not be chayv if the animal dies. Says Gemara, you made it more likely by by increasing the area of the opening, you made it more likely for an animal to fall in. So which one is it? Is the widening of a hole, of a, of a bore, is that the kind of thing which makes you more, more likely to be putter if an animal dies because now the hevel can escape faster, or more likely to be chayev because you widened the surface area in which the animal can fall in? We should take a look. If the animal died because of hevel, if the animal died because of Hevel, so then really what ended up happening? You should be putter because it's not normal. All the Hevel escaped already. And if the animal died not because of that at all, but it just fell in and, and, it, and it died like that, there it seems to be you should be because it was a bit of a bigger hole. So that's one approach. And last of the short lines on Nunala Famud Beis, the Gemara continues with another possibility of Ravashi's explanation. Let's see where, which side of the hole they fell in on. Here, the Gemara assumes that you only widened the hole on one side. If it fell into the side that you widened it, maybe you squared it out when it was round, or whatever the case may be, and then the animal's leg got stuck and it easy fell in. So then you should be high because you made the hole bigger. You brought... You made it more likely for the animal to die. Maybe if it entered on the other side, you should be pater because the hevel is more likely to escape and therefore lemaisa. it's not really why it died. It's, a, it's not a real hevel hole. It's not really not. And these gemaras are very difficult uh, to, to paint without Rishonim and there are plenty of discussions to have here. We're about three-fourths of the way down the second in the wide lines. Let's get into some more discussions. Itmar, bor she'omka kirachava. A bor that is as deep as it is wide. So we're just going to use for math purposes. It's ten tvachim uh, deep, because otherwise there's no misa. And ten tvachim wide. That is a hole that is 40 inches by 40 inches by 40 inches. What is that? That's three and a half feet. Yeah, that's not so big. A, but it's big enough to kill an animal, apparently. Now that I put it in those not terms. Very deep at all. Not very deep at all, Tent Fachim. Huh? Honestly, still? Huh? It's nothing. It's not very deep at all. Yeah. Cows gonna what? 
But that, but the Gemara says that if a cow in fact dies in this ten tefachol, you're obligated to pay for that whole cow if you're the owner. But it, if they go ahead first, it could be a baby calf. There's a there's ways to get the cow to fall in. A full-size cow is not falling into a hole, but remember that it's a minimal depth. It's not a maximal depth. So when when you say it's 10 tefach deep, it means at least 10 tefach deep. It could be 20 feet deep. You know, it, could be, it could be very, very, very big. Uh, as long as there's hevel, whatever hevel is, right? All right, I'm showing what I don't know in, in today, today's share so broadly because I have no clue what hevel is. All right, let's go. The Gemara says, Itmar. So borsha omka kirachava, let's assume the minimal approach of 10 tefach by 10 tefach cubed. So Rabbi Verev Yosef, Damar Tavar Mishmei de Rabbi Bar Barchana, Damar Mishmei de Rebbe, de Rebbe, de Rebbe Mani. Chad Amar Lo'olam Yesh Bahevel Ad Sheyehei Rechava Yeser Al Omka. When does the Hevel stay in its place? Up until the point that the Rechava, that the width is greater than the depth. So once the right to left is greater than the top to bottom, so then it's all gone. When they're exactly the same, Hevel, Hevel exists. When it's in cube form, when the cutout is cube, so then Hevel stays. But if there's a widening right to left, the lat, again, across, on the, on the horizontal plane, not on the vertical plane, on the horizontal plane, if it gets wider, the Hevel dissipates. No, that's not correct. He says there will be no Hevel until the omek is greater than the rechava, where the depth is greater, where the vertical depth is greater than the horizontal spread. But literally at the 50-yard line, there is no hevel. So there's a machlokas between these amoraim. If there is hevel in a place where the omek and the rochav are exactly the same. Is the horizontal both directions? Not necessarily, because we had a case of an aqueduct the other day, yesterday. We spoke about, remember yesterday, the weird case where it was six deep? Yeah. And we said that six plus the four between the ground and the belly equal 10. Well, that's the case we're doing. So it seems to not be the case. I'm using the example of cubed because it's like a Petri dish example, but I would imagine that it's only twice, really. It's probably just depth in one direction of width. Okay. We had spoken about a case in the mission of Avar Lovarisho and Velochi So that if the first person uh, walks by the pit and doesn't cover it. So let's say, Virisho and Me'emas Miftar, up and at what point does the First person become potter. So Rabba Verav Yosef to Amre Tarvayu, Mishmed Rabba Barbarchana to Amre Mishmed Ramani, Chadamar Mishemanicho, Mishtamesh, the Chadamar Mishayim Sorlo Dalyo. This seems to be a machloka summer rain. One says when he stops doing what he's doing with the pit, he walks away. The other person says when person number one hands a lid to person number two, and this is Kitanoi. This seemingly aligns with a machlokas in the Tanoim. The Gemara says, If a person's drawing up water from a pit, leave it for me, namely, don't cover it, and I'm going to continue drawing up water. The Tanakama holds that the second that person number one stops drawing water, even though he doesn't cover it anymore, he doesn't need to cover it because he's communicated with person number two that person number two wants to communicate drawing up the water. So the Tana says, sufficient. 
that would be similar to one of the shitas that we just saw. Again, we don't know if it's Rabbi Rav Yosef, but one of the shitas was when he stops being involved in his asek in the in the in whatever he's dealing with. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer that he says no. You have the person number one has to cover it. It's like a like a strict protocol. You know, it's like when you're transferring from person to person, person number one must first cover the well and then walk away and then. That's a strict measure. Nobody falls in, whatever. So that seems to be the machlokas. All right, here we go. Each person is filling up their own water. Rabbi Eliezer was of the opinion that there is this way to create brera, where the water that I draw from the well is retroactively conceptually mine, and where the water that you draw from the well is retroactively conceptually yours. However, the rabbis were of the opinion that ain't brera. So that could be one way to understand this machlokas. And this is not the first time we've seen this idea before between the rabbon and Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. If you have two partners, uh, let's say you and I own a field together and we get into a big fight and we may, we're, we're madir hana that you and I cannot benefit from our own fields because I own every granule and you own every granule of the field. So you and I, neither of us can go in. It's also for me to go into your property. And since it's co-shared, co-owned, we can't go in together. So here we see the same exact thing. <laughs> Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov seemingly holds a brera that when you are putting your foot on the ground, retroactively speaking, that, that piece of ground is yours. I, what would happen if you put your foot on every piece of ground? Okay. <laughs> There's what to discuss there. That's fine. So, this part's going to be faster. The man sells a pit to his friend. Once I hand you the cover, then the transaction is done. And now I have now uh, successfully sold the pit to you. Hechidami, says the Gemara. What was the actual transaction? Ibekaspa, if our transaction was financial, likni bekaspa, let the money be the tool of transaction. What's with the lid? And ibekhazaka, if there's a chazaka, likni bekhazaka, what's with this weird thing with the lid? It's not normal. So says the Gemara, lolam bechazaka. Really, we are talking about a case of chazaka. And when we are dealing with chazaka, really one person should say to the other, lech chazek ukni. You need to go make a chazaka and be kone. But says the Gemara, there is this emblematic action. Once I give you the cover, that is the same thing as command de omar lech lech chazek ukni dami. So the Gemara is saying that there's a Misa that supplants the need for the verbal declaration. The verbal declaration should be lecha zekukni, but when I give you the cover, it's the same exact thing. Amr Rabbi Yoshu ben Levi, very similarly, hamocher bayis lechaver, if I'm selling you a house, keivan shemosar lo mafteach kono. We know the picture when you sell a house, there's always a picture of somebody handing over the keys to another person. The Gemara says that's the moment of transaction. Here too, top of nun pays, the Gemara says, If it's cash, give them the money. And if it's with a chazaka, then it should be with a chazaka. But what is with the handing over of the keys? That's a weird behavior. That's not a Yiddish thing. It's not a halachic thing to give over keys. That's not, keys are, are, keys literally just open a door. They have no merit to them. So the Gemara says, because really, same as before, really, it should just be with Chazaka. 
It should be that when we make a transaction of a house, that one person says to the other, the seller says to the buyer, you should go and make a chazaka. This emblematic behavior, I'm going to make sure that I give you the key. That's And that is sufficient for such a transaction. The Gemara continues with a similar... Why the Gemara does not say that. The Gemara is saying that it's in place of the uh, the Leich Hazeku Kni. It is a Chiddush, and, and I don't know why it doesn't say that. Um, many of our transactions are like that. You know, we, by, by a Chub of a Kiddushin. It seems like it's taken the place of a procedural event, not an actual Chazeku. Yeah. I don't know whether or not... This is also where we would jump off the page and say it's time for Rishonim, because... Yeah, there's a lot to discuss here. There's a lot to discuss here. Uh, this is the hardest part for me with Dafyomi because I want to spend a week on this, but it's uh, not the way things are. You do a mice. You do a mice. You, you, you hit a nail into the fence, something like that, which is not a big deal because when you buy a new house, it's usually chaos. So it's usually easy to, to fix one thing. So anyways, that's what the Gemara says with a couple of examples. Here's a third one. This one's not so practical for our times. If I sell you a flock of animals, we're going to define what a mashkuchis is, but for the moment, it's that thing that controls the, the flock. So then, ask the Gemara the same question as before. If the way that you're kona these animals is with Mashiach, then go to a Kenyan Mashiach like every other Kenyan Mashiach. And uh, if it's not, if it's someone literally picking up and handing you something, then Likni Bimashiach. The Gemara answers, Really, the Kenyan is Bimashiach. Really, the seller should tell the owner, the seller should tell the buyer, excuse me, you should do a Kenyan Meshicha. This is considered a valid form of, uh, of Kenyan, where I give you something that uh, represents what I need you to do, which is Lech Hazei or in this case, Lech Meshachukni. Says the Gemara, my Mashchuchis, what is in regards to this either? What is this thing that controls the group? Says the Gemara, Hacha, here in Bavel. Some type of uh, noisemaker, some type of sound maker that would um, make a sound. Rashi says eight lines down, seven lines down. Karkashta, Garcinon, Zug, Shemekarkesh, Ba. It's like a bell where there's something on the inside. That's Pavlov's, uh, not puppies, but goats, and they all listen to the same sound. The second they hear the sound, everybody flocks. Rav Yaakov Amar, that Karkashta is actually not a bell, but it's Iza. The Azla Beresh Edra. It is actually an influential influencer goat. It is the one goat that every other goat follows. Says the Gemara. That was a horrible, horrible joke. Horrible joke. Says the Gemara. No, you didn't. And don't worry, it wasn't. But I still love you. Kiddarash, Hahu Gilila. There was a man from the Galil who said, when the shepherd, capital S. When the shepherd gets upset, al avid lenagda samuta, it makes the leader blind. And what the Gemara is saying is derech mashal that when a kaddish baruch Hu, unfortunately, uh, and this happens in our history, it might be happening now. We don't know because we can't uh, pull back the veil. But when we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing, a kaddish baruch Hu blinds our leadership, and they make horrible decisions. Uh, and then we are the ones who have to follow the blind sheep because that's uh, what he's supposed to do. And we live in a culture that we don't control all of the facets of our life. So be it. That brings us to a new Mishnah, a third of the way down. Still have a lot of ground to cover. Let's get moving. 
Let's say person number one had a pit. He did his responsibility and covered it. When the second person showed up, he found it, a megula. He found it open. And that second guy did not cover it. Excuse me. The second guy would be chayv. He saw an open pit. He should have covered it. Next case in the Mishnah. That if it was covered properly, Okay, if it was covered properly, and Afal Pikain, an animal fell in, the Gemara is going to ask, how is that possible? So then, Umes Pater, then you're going to be not be held accountable. You did your job. Lochiso Karoi, if you did a terrible job of covering it. The Nafala Soho Shoro Chamor Meschai. ABCs. This already is a pretty Pasha. Next case. Nafala Fanov Mikol Hakriya, if an animal falls forward into the pit, because he heard the digging, his curiosity got the best of him. Chayev, the sound that you made drew the animal in, and you're chayev. Le'acharav, if an animal falls in backwards, mikol hakriya, putter. Putz. That's what the Mishnah says. Nafala socho shor v'keila. If a shor falls in and its utensils fall in, v'nishtabru, and those kalim broke. Or chamor, a chamor falls in, the kelav and its kelav in iskaru, and its clothes tear when it falls in. Chayav al patr al We saw this earlier in the Masechta, very early in the Masechta. No, it says kavches. I thought it was much earlier. Um, that uh, you're going to be chayav on the behem and patr on the kelav. We've spoken about this idea many times, that when there is a boar, according to most, you are not chayav on kelav that fall into a boar, only on animals. Last case of the Mishnah, nafal asocho shor cherish shot And here we're not talking about the owners. We're talking about the animal itself that is a cheresh or a shota or a katan. What's a katan? Okay. What's a katan? What's the difference between what's the difference between a katan and a gadol? Who cares that it's a katan or a gadol? Why would there be a difference between? Exactly. So that you're now you're asking my question. There's the show that I could understand. There's a there's a psychotic animal. Yeah. Shas is a funny thing, you know. It's unbelievable. So it says the Gemara, so these animals that are either themselves a short a cherishot of a katan, then if they fill in, you're going to be chayev. However, the Mishnah concludes that Ben Obas Eved, if you have a male or female Eved that are children, O Ama, Ben Obas Eved O Ama, strange language. No. This is referring to the animal? No, 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 no. Now we're talking about children who are Avadim. No. So to that, the Gemara says you're putter on those deaths that occur, which is a very funny contrast that there are people that you would not be chayav on, but there are animals that you are. The Gemara opens, V'reisha ad emas miftar. When does the first person become putter? Amara b'chdeh Meaning, when we find out that the pit is in fact uncovered. So how long does the first guy remain chayav for? What if he knows about it? If the first guy knows about it and it's his pit, he's got to get in the car, middle of the night, doesn't matter. He's got to go take achrayis. He's got to be a bal achrayis. The Gemara says, as long as there's enough time for him to, in theory, have found out, which back in the day could have been weeks, and today it takes one text message. So there are major halachic differences because it's only the amount of time it takes for the knowledge to travel. It's not fixing it. 
So there, Rav says that's how long it takes for the first person to no longer be putter. Because if I text that guy and say, hey, your pit is open, and he says, I'm going back to bed, and somebody gets hurt, he's chayim. Um, not, uh, not, not just that he should know, but that others should tell him. He's got to have time to go to Lowe's and build the cover. You can't just tell him. He's not a, he's not a miracle worker. It's got to be more practical. Says the Gemara, two thirds of the way down at the two dots, four lines into the new Gemara. Asks the Gemara the most obvious question: If you covered it properly, if you put up the right covering, no animal should be falling in. So says the Gemara. You didn't know this, but there was some type of algae, some type of mold, some type of worms that were worming through the wood and the wood lost its integrity. And while normally it should be that the uh, wood can hold up the weight of a shore, normally that's true, but not here. Here the wood was rotted and you had no idea. So in such a case, the din would be that you are potter. This is going to take up the rest of the day. And most of this is pretty fast. Um, uh, most of this really is pretty fast and uh, we, we do have to get to the bottom otherwise we're just kicking the can down the road so we're going to push let's say you have a covering that's good enough for shvarim to hold a cow I guess camels way more but it's not able the, let's say the threshold is 1,000 pounds and the camel's 1,500 pounds. So the cover you have is good for the 1,000-pound cow, but not good for the camels. And then camels takadu walk by the uha, and they weaken the cover. And uh, the cover that you put on that was good enough for shvar, but not for camels, was weakened by camels, and then a shore falls in and died. My, what's, what should be the din? So Amri, the, the Gemara responds, hey, what was the case? You're an irresponsible person if you live in the desert in Arabia and there's camels everywhere. You should have known. You should have known that um, camels walk everywhere. You should have put on a better cover. And One way or the other, the case doesn't make any sense. How can you have a case scenario like that? Either there are camels or there aren't. Seven lines from the bottom to us of the that there are camels, but there only are there sparingly. Do we say, and because camels show up sometimes, so therefore you really are held accountable. That right now there aren't any camels, so therefore you're completely potter. Which one is it? Do we say that the sparing uh, occurrence of, of, of camels being there, of heavier animals being there, should that be on you or should that not be? Here's answer number one in the Brysa. Toshma, three lines from the bottom. That was a line that we saw in our Mishnah. We had said that if you cover it properly um, and then an animal still falls in you, and the animal dies, your potter. So let's figure out uh, how we get from here to the answer to our question. If the cover was a 2,000 pound threshold and even a camel could stand on it, no one should fall in. Obviously, that's not the case. It can't be that that was the cover because if that was the cover, then how did an animal ever fall in? It must be turning to the top of Menbez and Menbez. Below, it must be that we're talking about a case where the animal, where the cover of the of the boar was uh, only fit for shvar, but not for gemalim. If there were camels there, if you say that there were camels there, then you're a fool. You did a terrible job as a boss. 
you should have taken care of that pit better and put on a stronger door. So what was the case of my son in our Mishnah? And the love, it must be It must be the case that there are camels sometimes. And in fact, in this case, the camels showed up, they weakened the cover of the pit and then a shore fell in. Alma, what do we see that the fact that it still says that your putter in our Mishnah since over here, we see that there are no camels, so you're an anus. If when you're building it, there are no camels there, you don't have to prepare for every eventual circumstance. You prepared for a reasonable number of cases, you're done. Shalom on Yisrael. So therefore, maybe we have an answer to our case. Um, our question was, are you going to be putter if the cover of the pit is good enough for shvarim, but not good enough for gemalim? The answer seems to be, Amri, it seems to be that you're putter. The Gemara says you're incorrect. Amri, that's not true. Last of the short lines, which is sad because we're on the fifth line of the page. Amri, mm -hmm. lo, that's not true. Really, the cover of the pit can hold thousands of pounds, even a camel. How could we answer up this bryce? It's impossible to fall in. Yes. You put in the right wood cover. It's the right kind of wood. You did a good job. There's only one problem. You didn't uh, check for worms. And the wood was wormy. And even though the integrity of the wood in general can handle the weight of a camel, but here it rotted. So therefore, the part of the of the Mishnah you wanted to use to answer our question is no longer a valid answer to our question. And therefore, back to square one, what do we say about a cover that is strong enough to hold a shore, but not strong enough to hold a camel? And let's try approach number two, eight lines down. Toshma lochiso karoi, that if you don't cover it properly, there our Mishnah gave us an explicit case that if you don't do a good job of covering it, you're chayev. So yeah, let's go through all the details again. That's why this is fast, because it's very repetitive. If, if you put in a... a a uh, trash cover that can't hold anything. Pshita that you're going to be chayiv. Tzrichal ameimar dechayiv. That's obvious. Elolav. It must be karei l'shvarim v'lo karei l'gmalim. It must be that it was strong enough to hold a shvarim. It can hold a thousand pounds, but it can't hold fifteen hundred pounds. So then hechidami idishchich gmalim poshev. If there are camels, you're a fool. You did a terrible job, and you're poshev. Idoloshchich gmalim anusu. And if there are no camels around, then you're an anus, and you should be putter. So how does our Mishnah say chayiv? It must be that there are camels, but only periodically. And there were, in fact, camels today, and they weakened the cover. What do we see in our Mishnah? So maybe we have our answer that really you're chayev in a case where the cover is only strong enough to hold shvarim, but not to hold gemalim. Says the Gemara, lo. Really, that's not correct. Really, really, it was strong enough to hold shvarim, but not gemalim. And and really, there are camels there. So what? I don't understand. Says the Gemara, you should be chayim. No, that's not correct. I did the nasi resha kiso karoi nasi sepanami lo kiso karoi. Sometimes in an effort to make Mishnayas poetic and make them nice and balanced, they've left open room for incorrect inferences. And our Seifa does not have the words of Loki Sohu Karoi in order to infer from. It's only there for symmetry, therefore no room to infer. Says the Gemara, Ika de Amre, some say that our question is ridiculous. We asked a question about whether or not the, shvar, the cover was good enough for Shvarim, but not for... Um, uh, good enough for Shvar, but not for Gamalim. Gamalim says the Gemara, third of the way down, he could Amri, Hanami Vadai Lo Even that couldn't be the question. The cave unto us in Lefrakim. Once we know that camels are somewhat frequent, you're a Poshe, who di Boyla Sukia Daite. That can't be our question. 
If you know that there are camels out there, you have to plan for the reasonable possibility that there are camels, heavier animals. You got If there's like a, a hippo encampment right now, what are you going to do? You can't put a, something that can only hold a thousand pounds. These animals weigh 5,000 pounds. Get on your game. That can't be what the Gemara's question was. Keep, uh, we're going to discuss that in the Gemara. Very good text. Kibailan. Our question is the following. Our question is what text was asking was all about worms. Do we assume that if he's irresponsible in regards to camels, we also assume he's a slacker and not going to check on the quality of the wood? Do we connect the two irresponsibilities? Do we assume that if someone is irresponsible in area one, that they're also irresponsible in area two? Yes or no? Toshma, let's see if we can find some answers. Again, super repetitive. Same things over and over again. Toshma. That's our Mishnah. That it was rotted. If you did everything right, uh, then how can how can you possibly be high if you did everything right? My it must be There really were camels there, but but no camels went on that on that uh, cover that you put on. The Ketani Pater. We don't assume that just because you're a slacker in regards to the camels, that you're also a slacker. There's some things that we're good at and some things that we're not good at. I'm very good at uh, keeping my workspace clean. I'm not very good at keeping under my sink clean, just the way I am. You can't uh, poison the well. There's sometimes things are... Same things are you're good at. Sometimes you're not. So here the Gemara says we can't connect them. Says the Gemara, lo, that's not true. Two thirds of the way down. Lo, olam, maybe we should say Really, it was a very strong cover. When you say, ah, what should he have done? I'll tell you what he should have done. He should have gone and checked on the integrity of the cover every once in a while. Says the Gemara, Go, go, go bang on it and see if the cover is still a good cover. You know, they don't last forever. Wood degrades after a while. It says the Gemara, Kamash Malan, that there's no chiyuv to check. You don't have to worry about worms, which is a halachically very interesting comment anyways, because we actually check food for worms all the time. Why do we have to check food for worms, but not this for worms? Nazikin is still din in the Gemara. Okay, not for now. Three-fourths of the way down. Uh, this answer no longer works because uh, we've came up with another solution. So let's try another answer to answer our question. Toshma. This was a line that we just saw in our Mishnah. That if you did a horrible job of protecting the pit, you're going to be chayv. What was the case? If it was a terribly weak cover, you're a fool. It must be that there was a cover. It was strong enough to hold up shvarim, but not strong enough to hold up gemalim. If in fact there were gemalim around, you're a fool. So what was the case? Maybe we should see from over here that uh, that we have an answer to our question. We should assume uh, not nice things about you. Says the gemara. Really, there were camels, but the wood was rotted. And we see that you're still chayv. What does that show us? We do make a link between the fact that you're a slacker by the Gemalim. You're also a slacker when it comes to the other case too, by the by the worms. 
you're just not responsible. Amri says the Gemara, not necessarily true. That's not true. Um, really, they, it can hold the cows, it can't hold the camels, and there are camels. And really what happened was that the camels weakened the cover of the pit, and then Shvarim came in and they died. Maybe we should say for sure he's a poshia because the camels were there. Says the Gemara, no, I did the Nasi Reisha, Kiso, Karoi, Nasi Nami Seifa. Nami Lokiso. Again, the language was not meant to be inferred from. You can't bring a raya from that case. Therefore, we don't have an answer to our question. Let's try answer number three. Three lines from the bottom, four more lines for the day. That if an animal that was itself a or blind or walking at night, you will be held accountable. However, if the animal was healthy and if it was walking during the day, so then the halacha is that you're going to be putter. We assume the animal should look before it steps. Why would you be putter by the pikech? Why, do, why don't we view, view them both as irresponsible? This migu is not said. Therefore, we can answer our second version of the question, which is to say that we don't assume that just because you as the balabas are a poshea in regards to the quality of the cover as it relates to camels, you're also a poshea in checking in regards to whether or not the word the wormy wood has ruined the cover. We'll stop right here. Mir Hashem will pick up tomorrow night at the very bottom line on Nunbez Mbez, wishing you all a beautiful night.